Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I want to talk to you about the importance of going to school. Now, I give a talk very, very often to different organizations across the country, and it's called 10 Traits of Effective Parents in Special Education Advocacy. And the number one tip that I can give you is to go to school. Get involved in your child's education. This is the most important thing that you can do. And so today we're going to talk about, I think, six points that I want to really, really stress. And I will try to also give you examples of how you can get involved in school, what you can do in order to be involved not only in your child's education and special education, but also generally in the school culture, both of which are extremely important for many, many reasons. If you're interested in having me come talk to an organization that you care about, simply hop on my website. There's a speaking page. I would love to connect with you and tell you how I can help your organization to empower the people that it serves. Effective parents in special education advocacy go to school. Why is this so important? The idea, the federal law, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, stresses the involvement of parent involvement. It stresses the importance of parent involvement. And the reason it stresses the importance is because there is lots and lots and lots of research that says that outcomes are better altogether, but mainly for the students when parents are involved, when parents are a part of the team. So involved, in fact, that there are actually parent rights that are written into the law. Now, I got to tell you something. I do divorce work also, not too much anymore, but I still do a little bit of divorce work. And in divorce work, parents always say, it's my right to see my children. It's my right to have this parenting time schedule. It's my right to whatever. And the laws, at least in Kentucky and Ohio where I practice, don't say a whole lot about a parent's right to see their child or their children. Rather, divorce laws are based on the children's best interest, what's in the child's best interest. And there isn't a whole lot that's built into the law or the case law about the parent rights. What's so cool about special education is that parents have a right. Parents have this enumerated list of parent rights. And so not only do we get to be involved in our children's educations, but we actually are encouraged to be involved. We should be involved. And there's this whole line of cases that says if the parents are not involved, the child might actually not get as many services or may not get as much. 
the kind of thought in these cases is, well, the parents had every opportunity and they didn't, and so therefore we're going to rule against the parents. And so not only is it important that you have the opportunity, but it also can be seen as an obligation, an obligation to get involved in your child's education. So the idea recognizes the importance and almost stresses a bit of an obligation because we're on that IEP team as parents. Effective parents, have to therefore see themselves as equal partners in that IEP process. We have to see ourselves as an important part of the IEP team. We have to understand the IEP process in order to do that, and we really have to understand our children. We really have to understand our child's profiles, their strengths, their weaknesses, how those two interplay, how those two affect various academic and functional skills, how our child's really strong auditory profile um, affects the way that our child learns or affects the way that our child performs in gym class or in an assembly or in some kind of after-school activity. But we also have to have the confidence, but this is about this kind of equal partnership, is about confidence. The confidence to really stand up to the team and to ask questions, to suggest new things, to um, really be involved as a team member. You know, I see so many conference summaries, meeting minutes, parent rights, whatever you call them in your state that thing that comes out after the, the IEP meeting. And it'll say, um, the district presented the draft IEP, the parents um, were concerned about, and it'll say two things, like potty training and, um, you know, maybe uh, they would like to work on attention span. And there were no further questions and the IEP was accepted, the meeting was adjourned. And there's no discussion mentioned and it's our obligation and our right to have that discussion. And the reason why we have that right is because Congress studied it and said, boy, kids do a whole lot better when parents are involved. So we have to see ourselves as equal partners and we have to force the team into those discussions. You know when I talk about teamwork, I'm gonna talk about Patrick Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It will really help you to empower yourself as a team member. Now when I say that, I also think it's important that parents really trust the professionals, but that that trust is not super blind. You know, there's this kind of naivete. When we hired our first nanny, I and, and then she quit three years later, I said to my husband, what this feels like is it feels like middle school love. I trusted her so blindly and I loved her so blindly as a part of our family. And now she's leaving us. And it feels like that really raw emotion of the first breakup with a person um, that you really cared about. And it was just this super raw, blind love. And so of course we've lived we've lived our lives as parents, we have experience. And so we know that anytime we trust, it has to be cautious optimism. And so, but at the same time, it's really important that we trust the professionals. 
We understand that the people that are working with our children have degrees, they have training, they have um, experience with other people, they have passion. And so we have to lean into that. I am busy making dinners, driving people to practice, practicing law, being a sister and a wife and a just human Ashley Barlow that has to exercise and take care of myself too. And so I can't be involved in every single aspect of Jack's life. And I can't be involved in weighing all the equities, all of the decisions about, um, you know, do we pull him out? At this time, when he's really engaged in a science lesson, I can't be involved in all of those things. I have to trust that the professionals are doing a great job with him or doing a job that is sufficient with him. But at the same time, I don't trust blindly, I need to be involved, I need to ask questions, I need to understand, so that if something happens, I'm informed and I can make decisions with the team, and most importantly, I can make decisions as Jack's mom, as the parent on the IEP team. We also, as parents, have to realize that we have a responsibility to speak for our children in order to ensure that all staff members have an understanding of our children's disabilities and the best way to address their needs. This, I think, is the basic, basic thing that parents should do on the IEP team. And it is something that time and time again, people come into my office and have not done. You must understand your child's disability and how your child's disability affects them. And then you must take it one step further and articulate that, explain that to the team. Really teach the rest of the IEP team about your child. Tell them, even though it's the same district and it might be the same teacher and the same administrator and the same special ed director, say it again. Tell them what happened in preschool. Tell them what happened in elementary school. Tell them about the terrible year in eighth grade. Tell them about those things. We, those, those people, those teachers, those professionals have caseloads of eight, 10, 15, maybe 24 children. And so therefore they have interacted with multiple, multiple kids with multiple, multiple profiles. And yes, they might've heard a story, but they heard it from somebody else's perspective. Yes, they might think they remember your child or have heard an inkling of information about your child, but they haven't probably experienced it themselves. And if they have experienced it themselves, it's still very important that they understand it from your perspective, that they understand how you perceived those events to occur. And so it's very important that parents get involved in IEP teams and in their school community by really kind of telling people how their child behaves and how their child's disability affects their child, how their child learns, how their child performs socially. It's super duper important that we go in and we talk about those experiences. Now we might not know as much about what happens in the school culture. And so therefore it is our obligation to then go back if there's a hole to go back and say, you know what, I don't know, but I'm going to go back and ask the fifth grade teacher about that and I'll get back to you or I don't know, let me go ask their um, swimming coach and I'm gonna get back to the team on that. 
we have to kind of be the general contractor of our child's profile. It helps us at home, it helps us in the community, and it certainly helps us to advocate in the school environment. Now, this doesn't only apply to special education. It's super important that we also advocate for our children and their profiles when we are talking with other people in the school community. So maybe your child has an executive functioning um, disorder or um, some kind of developmental delay that causes them to be, um, you know, kind of um, not good at self-starting, not good at um, that self-organization kind of piece, um, kind of like the wreck of the Hespers when they get out of your car at Carline every morning. And maybe there is an aide or an IA or an assistant, whatever you call them in, in your area, that gets super frustrated with your child at Carline. Well, then it's really important that you say to that person, you know, here's the why. Here is why it takes us a second to get out of the car. Yes, three cars ago, I said, make sure you have your backpack, are your shoes tied? Did you take off your coat? And now is not the time to be blowing your nose. However, all of those things still happen when you get to the front of the line. And so it's important that this person knows your child and your child's profile as opposed to just getting frustrated. And yes, in an ideal world, wouldn't it be great if the special education director sat down with every professional that might interact with your child and said, hey, here's what's going on, here's the profile, here's how it affects the child, and here's how it might happen in the area where you're working with them when you're testing them on their spelling words, when you're helping them get out of the car line, when you are observing them on the playground, all of those things. But that is nearly impossible to do in a school setting. And so if you have the opportunity, you can do that. Now let's take a little time out and talk about relationships because sometimes that feels super duper weird to just be like, hey, you know, I wanna talk to you about my child's profile. I wanna talk to you about why they're so slow getting out of the car. You sound so formal, you sound kind of confrontational. Um, it sounds uncomfortable, right? That's why it's so important to have relationships. Because if you can say it in a collaborative way, in a lighthearted, everybody's different, we're celebrating differences, kind of way, it's going to be way more comfortable for you. And it's also going to be received in a much more open fashion on the other end. And so that's why it's so important to be involved in your school community so that when these things happen, people know kind of what kind of person you are, how positive you are. I remember when we had a, a principal at my kid's elementary school for a hot minute and um, he was um, not the most effective leader. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But when I first met him, I unfortunately um, was in a little bit of an adversarial situation. And so I had to then, I didn't want to overcompensate because I wanted it to be genuine but I really wanted him to understand what kind of family we were because we weren't gonna erase from his radar. And I wanted him to understand that yes, we are the kind of family that doesn't mind a little bit of conflict or a lot of conflict in order to get something done for our children. 
However, we also are team players. We are going to show up when you need us. We are going to do everything that we can do that fits into our family's lives and values um, as it applied to that school. And we were there for the greater good of the entire school. And I needed him to see that. And so I actually put myself in front of him deliberately quite often because I needed him to see all of Ashley Barlow because Ashley Barlow was there as Jack Barlow's voice. And so he needed to see Ashley Barlow, the volunteer, Ashley Barlow, who was, um, I, I chaired the, the parent or the teacher appreciation week for several years when he was there. He needed to know that I wasn't just there as some noisy squeaky wheel as it applied to special education. Those relationships are super duper important and we will constantly be working on the relationships. Okay, the next point. Parents in special education recognize that it's important for them to be active participants in team meetings, contributing information and questioning decisions that they don't understand. If you don't understand something, ask the question. That is Advocacy 101. I have to ask questions in every single meeting I go to. There might be an acronym I don't know. There might be a curriculum I don't know. There might be lots of times it's, it's teachers' names that I don't know. Even with my own child, they'll reference somebody and I'll say, who's that? You know, my, my mom, I went to my elementary school. My mom taught at my elementary school. Both of my kids have gone to my elementary school. I think that... Um, Oh, 14 seems long, but we, let's see, Griffin is 14. Now you're doing math with me on a podcast. Um, I guess I've been at, as a parent in our elementary school for 10 years now. And there are still sometimes that they'll mention somebody in a meeting. I'm like, wait a minute, who is that? And it'll be a sub or a, a cafeteria monitor or something like that. And I'll say, oh, okay, okay, now I'm up to speed. But I need to know if you're talking about my child and my child's education, I need to know. And so if I don't understand um, a curriculum in particular, I best be asking questions. And I wanna know it from their perspective. It's super important that if you don't understand, that you ask questions. And if you have something to contribute, that you speak up. Okay, that one was a little bit redundant, but the question thing was important. Effective parents expect but do not assume that service providers are qualified and that services are being delivered in compliance with the IEP. And we ask questions when we have reasons to do so. So this one can be particularly sticky. I have a lot of people that come to me with progress monitoring data and they say, well, my child's not getting nearly enough services. They aren't getting what's in the IEP because look at the data. And while that may be true, I certainly never recommend that you go in there and stomp your feet and say, my child's not getting what they deserve. Not the first time, maybe the third time, but not the first time. Because there's all kinds of things that could affect that record keeping or could affect the progress monitoring data. And so it's very important that we ask questions and that we really understand what's going on before we go in with some kind of accusation because an accusation is going to stop the conversation and if we want to effect change, we need to continue a conversation. If we want to change things, we're looking for a conversation, not for you to tell people something. And so, 
what we have to do then is we have to ask questions. Now, what we're talking about here is that the professionals are qualified, that they know how to do something. Maybe you've added a yoga um, routine to a sensory diet, and you aren't sure that the OT really knows how to do the yoga profile. What do you do? And how do you do that in a collaborative way? How do you suggest it? Something that I oftentimes do is I go find a resource and I might suggest that I share the resource. I might say, this is working for us at home. Here's the yoga that we do at home and I'll be happy to send it in if you would like it. And I'll just send like a little picture of it and say, here's how we do it. This is, we do this, you know, our yoga program, for example, I bought on Teachers Pay Teachers. We talk about how we're feeling before yoga. We always do three poses. We do a three pose sequence three times. So we learn the poses or we review the poses. We do a three pose sequence. And then um, we do a little closing namaste. And then we talk about how we're feeling after yoga. And so I would explain that. Here's a couple pictures of it. If you'd like to see it, I'd be happy to share it. And that then starts the conversation. What we want is a conversation. Do you do yoga yourself? <laughs> you know, if you walked in and said, do you do yoga yourself? The person would get very, very defensive. And that would be the end of the conversation. Whereas if we kind of start in, in a not know-it-all way and we talk about what we're doing or what they're doing in outside therapy or what your child's experience with that curriculum is so far, you might actually get a conversation that will fix something. And so again, this is kind of not blind trust, it's cautious optimism where we are still involved and we are still kind of forcing the team to better. Again, remember, when we are on a team like we are in special education as parents, we're always trying to get the team to do better work, to, con to continue to or to start being more effective. And so it's okay to push the team. That's actually what we're supposed to be doing. And my husband is a very contented person. And I remember we had been married about a year. We were in the kitchen of our first home. I remember this conversation very well because um, he said, we were just talking about like life goals. It wasn't anything about marriage or about children or anything. We, I think I just was talking about like, next I wanna do this. And he was like, can't you just be content can't you just be happy? And I was like, what's the problem with trying to do more? What's the problem with continuing to learn, with continuing to evolve? And it's really, you know, kind of a life mindset, obviously, because he's very content. I am very um, uh, achieving. <laughs> driven maybe is the word um, and we both probably could get pulled and we do a nice job of pulling each other to the middle in those discussions and so he is kind of my therefore my stopper in IEP discussions to say okay I think that's too far I, I don't know that we can ask them for that and I'm his stopper of saying hey listen you got to speak up every once in a while you've got to get involved do you know what's happening do you know this person on the team etc and so sometimes, you know, people bring each other to the middle, but it's super important that we expect that they are qualified to do whatever it is, the services, the curriculum, 
but it is also important that we ask questions and that we have that expectation as kind of cautious as well. Now, the next thing is really how we can talk about how you do this. Parents should find many ways to be involved in their child's educational program above and beyond IEP meetings. If you are involved, you're going to make those relationships, but how do you get involved? Listen, I totally understand it. I get it. I have, a, I have two jobs, actually, if you count Ashley Barlow Company and my legal job as two different jobs. I hope the IRS counts them that way. <laughs> so we will count them as two different jobs. So I run two companies. I practice law. I parent two kids, one of whom is a very busy athlete. I am a sister and a wife and a human, as I said before. And all of those things sometimes collide. And so sometimes, yes, we do not have time to volunteer, to be involved. But there are lots of ways to, to get involved, even if you can't be there on a day-to-day -day basis. Let's talk day-to-day -day basis first. Serving in the cafeteria, helping the librarian check out books, being on the PTO, those things, even if you're just there once a month, or you're just at school once a quarter, or you just get to work the book fair, which happens twice a year or once a year, you're going to learn so much about the school culture and so much about your child's environment. What children are helping your child? What children seem impatient with your child? What children um, look like they are peers to your child that might go to special education with your child? Relationships you wanna foster, relationships you don't wanna foster. How do the aides um, or the assistants or, or the IAs, whatever you call them in, in your area, how do they interact with your child? How do they interact with the rest of the classroom? What's the behavior management look like? What teachers are present? How are the teachers behaving? Is the water fountain cold? All of those things that you can either use in your further advocacy or that you can talk to your child about. You know, it's so fun. I remember I used to, um, so I did, when, when Jack was first in kindergarten, I did um, the cafeteria once a month. I did um, library once a month. I did, um, I was always a room mother, so I got to do his parties. Um, we did something called Picture Person because Kentucky added an art curriculum or an art um, piece to um, the state testing and our art teachers didn't, could not fit it in with their regular art curriculum. And so the PTO ran that, that has since stopped. And I did Junior Achievement. I think I did everything that you could possibly do. So I was at school a few times per month, but it was really, really great because I knew a lot about what Jack was doing. I could talk to Jack about the calendar in his classroom because I had seen it. I could talk to Jack about the book that they read in library because not only did I know the title of it, because maybe that came home on his communication, but I had witnessed him reading it and I had seen the way that the teacher taught it with puppets or with um, you know, a particular child acting something out. And that gave me lots of opportunities to establish a relationship about school with Jack. But through lots and lots of discussions and experiences and whatever, all of that kind of volunteering had to basically come to a grinding halt for lots of different reasons. And so now I have to be involved a different way. 
I always tell people, I'll just, you know, without getting into a bunch of drama, I have PTO, PTSD. <laughs> and so I stopped doing a whole lot with the PTO. And a lot of those volunteer opportunities were through the PTO. And so what I did was I said to our special education teacher, listen, I'm not doing anything with the PTO anymore for multiple reasons. What I want to do is I want to be your one person PTO because the special ed department doesn't get a ton through the PTO. Like, for example, they don't have a room mother. So the um, special ed teacher wasn't getting a birthday present from their room parent. And I was like, well, I can take over that for sure. But also, do you have jobs that I could do? Do you have requests that I could fund? I, here's what I used to give to the PTO. Here's how involved I used to be. And I still have this time and I still have these resources. And I would like to help you. Because if anybody has more to do, it's you. You have to support children and the way our school's set up and K through five, multiple abilities, multiple curriculae. And I thought it was really important that I still stay involved. And so that's one way that I did it. So what, <laughs> what I can do at night after work or whatever is, I can make crafts for them. I can make, um, help them with centers. Uh, one time she sent me home laminating to cut, which I loved, I love to cut laminating. It's a weird um, like of mine. So I did those kinds of things in order to help that teacher. You might be able to find one-time volunteer things. You might be able to find things that you can do in the evening. You might be able to find things that you can chair, like for a school festival or something like that. And if there's not a way for you to get involved, if you feel like you can't get involved, I would really encourage you to reach out to either the administration or to some kind of parent-teacher organization or to a parent that you just know is involved and seems approachable. And to say, you know, I'd really like to get involved. I think it's really important that I'm involved. Do you have any ideas? And see what happens from there. It's super important that you are involved because you get all of that little insight. We used to, I was a foreign language major. I was a German education major. I, I was certified to teach German K to 12. And um, in foreign language education, we used to talk about little C and big C culture. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. So big C culture um, in Germany is like Oktoberfest and um, Dierndl's and Lederhosen, the, the um, outfit that people wear in like, quote unquote, traditional Bavarian culture. But little C culture is, for example, many people in Germany close their interior doors because they feel as though there's a draft with the interior doors open. And so that's something that you certainly wouldn't probably study in a German book. Um, in German 102, that is probably not something that's studied like, like Oktoberfest is. But it's a part of the day-to-day -day culture. So that little C culture is the day-to-day -day culture. And if you are in the school, you are going to learn the little C culture. Not only are you going to know the big C culture, like when the festival is and who the school's mascot is, but you're going to know that little C culture, which is so important to helping your child. Finally, it is super important that parents participate with watchful participation. 
that you are studying with your child, that you are looking at progress monitoring data, that you are taking that data at home, that you are um, communicating on a very frequent basis. You know, I love my Sunday emails. That communication bundle on my website is something that came literally from my own inbox. It is literally copied and pasted from the way that I advocate for my child in special education. Watchful participation is the key to really getting involved in their actual special education. If you are involved, I promise you, promise you things will get better. There's a graceful way to be involved. I hope I've described it for you. Good luck to you. Please reach out to me if you have any questions or comments. I can't wait to see you next week. Same time, same place. Thank you for joining me.